Hi everyone, my name is Theo Hill. Welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore, where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery, and where we learn together from each other's stories. I want to let you know that because of the pandemic, we're recording this episode from my home. I have three beautiful grandchildren who live here with us. You might hear a little noise from them, so thanks for your patience with that. Welcome to my home, listeners. I have a very distinguished guest this evening. His name is Mike, and we've known each other for a long time. Welcome, Mike, to One Day at a Time. Thank you. Uh, I'd like for you to tell me about yourself, your family, what life was like for you when you were young. When did you get first introduced to drugs? Uh, I think I smoked my first joint at eight or nine. I can't remember. Stole it from my brother. Uh, went on and did uh, just suppose a pothead. Did a little acid here and there, and you know, just was having fun. It was fun because I didn't have any responsibilities through school. Went in the army, and then it became a problem. Okay, so where were you born at? Where were you raised at? I was raised on the Maryland side of Washington, D.C., six miles outside the border. Okay, so you mentioned that you first was introduced to drugs then. Uh, What happened next? I did the drugs, the drugs did me. Um, I went in the Army, and uh, they didn't care what you did as long as you made formation. They condoned drinking. You had promotion parties, all of that. But I did the... Continued doing the, the ass and just partying, partying, ruined my life in the Army. When did you realize that you had a problem? Well, I drank three bottles of wine I got from this wine lady, and I forgot that the uh, wine gave me diarrhea, and I pooped my pants, so I went, came in the barracks and took my clothes off and wiped the best I could and tried to put it off on somebody else and said, look, some dummy pooped his pants in there, and I got, and then I went into my room and said, little jackpot thing, a guy, yes. you know, I think it's going too far. That's what finally caused you to do something about your addiction? Well, not exactly. (laughs) I got out of the Army and the cocaine epidemic get hit. So I I think I did one line of coke, and then my buddies were in the back shooting up. There was PCP involved, and I came through the door and asked them what they were doing. They told me, and they just said, I wanted to try it. They said, no, you don't. And I I don't know whether they wanted money or tired of me bothering them. And I shot cocaine for the first time and fell in love and went straight downhill. When did you first get into recovery? I flipped out on PCP and ended up in Spring Grove, and I was scared straight. Okay. So I didn't do nothing okay. for two years. And I was going to meetings, but I wasn't meeting nobody, didn't have any working steps, no sponsor, no nothing. Right. So consequently, since my wife was getting high, wasn't her fault, but I ended up going back to getting high and lost everything. Ended up on the street of Baltimore. Okay, okay. That downhill spiral. So, yes, sir. Uh, so you lost everything. You lost everything. your wife, my kids, home, kids, job, home, everything. Um, they call that being desperate, um, and they also call it in our literature, right? That when we were beaten, we became willing. Right, dereliction. Yes, sir. All that. Okay, so you went through that. Yes, sir. All right. So, what made you surrender? To the program. I was homeless, living on the street, eating out soup kitchens, staying in shelters, and uh, 
I went with this brother out to the horse track. We were going to win a bunch of money, and I wrote a check that wasn't no good. Of course. And he thought that I ripped him off. We got in a fight, and I didn't have nowhere to go, so I, I went to uh, a hospital and told him I was an addict and felt like killing myself. Mm-hmm. And they sent me back to Spring Grove, where I came from. Mm-hmm. But this time, they set me up with a rehab. It was the first disease concept rehab in, in, in the world a guy came up with, and I'd never heard it called disease before. And I remembered everything. I wasn't working a program, but I remember a little bit about the two years. Right. So, so I got in there, and I, I slept the first week and then started paying attention. They sent me to an 18-month treatment center and started working steps. Get had a sponsor this time and was doing the program the way it's supposed to be done. Wow. That's fantastic. How long ago was that? 31 years. So have you gone through the recovery process all the way up to now? Or did you have a little slip in between there? No, from then till now, I've been Fantastic. Uh, completely absent. Fantastic. Would you like to tell our audience a little bit about recovery? Because you came from a long way to where you are now today. It's such a vast number of ways. The program, uh, I noticed steps are the way. If I don't change... I'm going to still be the same person. You take the nuts out of a fruitcake, you still got a fruitcake. <laughs> so I got to work steps and, and get, because get, I used for a reason. So I had to find out what that reason was. I felt, uh, they say addicts are egomaniacs in a self-centered or, or with um, low self-esteem. So I'm either feel, feeling low self-esteem or I'm feeling ego. More than like normal people, they just go on the even, mine's up and down. So it's either big like that. So, and the reason I felt low self-esteem is because I just didn't, I didn't feel worthy of doing things, you know? I just, because of my low self-esteem, my marriage didn't work out, um, went in the army, and, and the things that I did, I, I condemned myself. You know, I went in the army, I had 25 cows, statements, five article 15s, a field grade, and they tried to kick me out on chapter 13 because I was rebellious. That was the issue. I was very rebellious. You know, it's hard for me to... So somebody tell me to do yes, something without, yes, yes. you know, then the ego comes up and then the low self-esteem comes up when I, the ego comes up and then I get knocked down and I get arrested or, yes. <laughs> or from my father used to beat me and I deserved it. I went on a, uh, they had a big issue with a guy in the back of a paddy wagon. I tried to fight some cops in a Maryland, little Maryland uh, jail and they took me for one of those rides and I deserved it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, the things I did to myself, I felt like I would, I was, I'm, that kind of person, and I'm doomed to be that kind of person. I didn't see no way out. I was, you know, it was more depression than uh, anything else with me, you know. Going after the drugs, right, is one thing, but recovery is totally different as far as going after that. You need some help. The solution is spiritual in nature. Right. And it's a spiritual program. Right. Right. But it's a simple program for complicated people like me. And to get on it, like when I was, I was at the end, I was shooting straight hair, straight raw heroin. I would get up, didn't even have no money, finding a way to know how I'm going to do that. So I had that habit. So I have to develop new positive habits when I get around here. And what, what do they say? They get, I get up, I pray to help, help my higher power stay clean. I'm thinking about where I'm going to go to my meeting that day. And I develop a habit of doing that. There's fun things you could do in recovery. They have conventions, pool parties, picnics, all kinds of stuff. So you got things to do. You know, and, and, and just going to meetings, it's, uh, it's fun if, it, if a person gets involved. You know, it, you, 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 you thirst for the, 
No, we go out and get ice cream all the time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, Not to mention you ride a bike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do ride a motorcycle. So we, well, but we don't go use drugs. We we look for cracker barrels and <laughs> and get fat. So, I mean, my body's liver's gone. Everything's gone anyway. So it'd be uh, life threatening. But anyway, you, I wouldn't do it. But yeah, you develop a habit of doing stuff, and you feel a little bit better. Like I said, with that big valleys and high mountains it was like that when i came around but now it's so much like a habit you know that's where the steps come from too you were talking about pulling putting yourself back together you got the first three i can he can i'll let him making the decision but then you got the fourth and fifth steps in the inventory and you share it with somebody and that and some people have deep secrets and and they get them out there yeah. but the important thing about the fourth step you find out why you did things for the for the sixth and seventh which are the character defects me, I'm unique in, a, in my character defect patience. I don't have no patience. Sometimes I'm getting older, I feel like I ain't got no tolerance. You know, some, I'm unique in different areas. We're all the same, but we're unique in different areas. Right. And that's how, how we get through that. And then we pray for our higher power's will in the, in the maintenance steps later. And we just help another addict. And that makes us feel good. And we get spiritual awakenings, you know. It's great watching somebody that I help do good, you know. Makes me feel, my self-worth feel better. And that's the way it works. What's hard about telling your story and what's worthwhile telling your story? When I tell the negative parts of it, it's hard. I cried when I first did them. Okay. You know, I couldn't. It was hard. Now I can say them, you know, but the positive things, you know, we lose people in here, you know. Mm-hmm. Death is hard to, hard, to, hard to, you know, accept. You know, those are hard things to talk about. But I feel good after I get it out, and it's like you know, the, it's, you got a feel good side and a and a and a, and a hard side. But see, I can make a mountain out of a molehill. That's what I, I have. I try, tend to do, but I try not to do that. I just lost my wife, but I have been smothered with friends in the program. Yes. I haven't. Pain's inevitable. Misery's optional. As long as I go through the program, I don't have to go through that misery, and I haven't had hardly any of misery. I cried like a baby when I found it out, because I got to let it out. Yes. You know, because if I hold it in, it'll fester. Yeah. So I'm, therefore, once I let it out, I can I can I can accept it easier. Mike, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Theo Hill. Let's talk again soon.